0: Most Bitcoiners I got to know are really in Bitcoin because of those reasons, because uh, they wanna see empowerment, self-empowerment and uh, a new kind of, yeah, in a way sustainability and also uh, to free people from like say financial colonialism that we still have in African countries.
1: Welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast, where we explore the intersection of Bitcoin and progressive issues. I'm your host, Mark Stefani. My guest today is the one and only Anita Posh. Anita needs no introduction to the Bitcoin community because she has been providing unparalleled education and advocacy for several years. She has traveled the world in order to help teach people about Bitcoin. Most recently, she has been in Africa with her new venture, Bitcoin for Fairness. Anita's goal is to bring Bitcoin to billions through her educational work, and she is well on her way to doing so. So without further ado, Anita Posh. Anita Posh, thank you so much for joining me on the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. I'm incredibly honored to have you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. I'm also honored to be here.
1: Thank you. Well, where do we find you right now?
0: I'm in South Africa at the moment at the Western Cape, um, one hour from Cape Town.
1: And now this trip has brought you to several African countries. Where have you been thus far and where are you headed
0: um, so yeah, with Bitcoin for Fairness, which is a non-profit initiative that I founded at the beginning of this year, um, it already brought me to Zambia and Zimbabwe in March, and um, now in April May, I'm in South Africa and I will visit Bitcoin Ikasi in Mossel Bay, which is a Bitcoin community, a small Bitcoin community uh, in a township where um, a guy. Um, has started an initiative uh, similar to Bitcoin Beach. Um, He saw what uh, the guys in Bitcoin Beach were doing in El Salvador, thought since um, he has a surfing school (laughs) where uh, they offer free surfing trainings uh, for for kids. He thought he also starts uh, doing Bitcoin education. And as, as far as I know, and that's what I want to see, like in person and also try, um, is they already have some of the street uh, shops, the street vendors accepting Lightning. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'll I go there. I will visit them. I will talk with them. And also, we're going to do a hardware wallet workshop together because, yeah, they they don't have hardware wallets here. And, yeah. Um, Yeah, these are the sort of of problems and hurdles um, we can definitely talk about uh, in this interview later on. And um, from here, I will go to the Oslo Freedom Forum uh, to moderate the panel there on the question of how democratic is Bitcoin, something like that. And um, after that, I'm going to Zimbabwe again to Work a little bit more with the people I've met there and to strengthen, uh, yes, on the one side our relationship, but also their knowledge in Bitcoin. And I would really like them to start doing regular local Bitcoin meetups and things like that. So in the course of the year, in in autumn, uh, like September, October, November, I will go to Latin America and um, do kind of the same work there. And I'm also very much looking forward in December. There will be the first African Bitcoin only conference in Ghana, which I want to attend. And then I hope I can go to Nigeria and then the year will end and I will take some holidays.
1: (laughs) It's incredible, Anita. Absolutely incredible. Well, when you make it to Bay, please tell Herman and Luthando hello for me. They were a delight to speak with.
0: Oh, you already had them on the show.
1: I did, I did, yes, and it was such an incredible story.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool.
1: So it was your new initiative, the Bitcoin for Fairness project, that brought you to Africa. Please tell us more about Bitcoin for Fairness.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I maybe may may start early on. Like, I'm in the Bitcoin space for five years now, and in 2018, I started my podcast and from then on i always have been interested in the use cases where i think people need bitcoin the most which is um like disadvantaged people um um people that are not how should i say don't have the same uh chances in our society and also like people in emerging countries um we we know that like 45% of the global population live in countries with authoritarian leaders and not in full democracies, basically the opposite of that. And I think that that's where Bitcoin is needed the most. And that's why I always have been interested in uh, the stories of the people in these countries, the, the early Bitcoiners there, what they are saying, what we can learn from them. And I had a lot of them on my podcast in 2018, 19 and 20. And from that work focus on I realized that it would be great to do more into, in that direction because actually nobody is really doing it, I think, in the way I'm doing it at the moment. And um, I had the idea to, to broaden the work I'm doing in the sense of giving other people also kind of a platform uh, to support the work or to contribute in, in their ways. And so that, that's what I'm trying to build at the moment so that Bitcoin for Fairness can be a vehicle for, for more people or, or innovative ideas to support building knowledge about Bitcoin in these countries.
1: So it's a not-for-profit specifically focused on education uh, in developing nations. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's correct. Exactly.
1: Fantastic. Well, you had mentioned uh, stories, and I'm curious to know if you could tell us a couple of those stories that have stood out to you the most in your travels in Africa thus far.
0: Yeah, for instance, I mean, what's really standing out is the fact that in many of these countries where the Bitcoin adoption is very low, um, that are, for instance, Zambia and Zimbabwe, which I've visited in March, um, most of the people really still believe Bitcoin is a scam. And that it's not credible because they everybody knows someone who has been scammed. And this is really sad. And so we really need to start at the beginning to, to share the knowledge that Bitcoin is a technology. It's a platform that everybody can use. And you don't have to pay upfront. You don't have to pay an entrance fee or something like that. And um, it's really great to see then when people realize, oh, it's really a working technology is a little bit like the internet, like you can send money over the internet now for free and, um, in a way, uh, un- uncensorable and your government can't take away the money from you. Uh, you really see how people like light up and, and, um, it was very funny for me in a way to see or interesting. I was talking with uh, a guy who owns a security company in, in Zambia, in the capital in Lusaka and. He said to me, you know, my friend uh, introduced me to Bitcoin in 2018 or something, uh, but then he got scammed and then I never tried it again. I never invested. I never wanted to to be scammed, of course. And I said, I understand that. And uh, then he got his friend also into the conversation and I was talking like 15 minutes about what Bitcoin is. And how uh, basically easy it is um, to use a wallet, to download it, and it's open source and everything. And at the end of of, uh, our conversation, the guy said to me, oh, yeah, that that sounds great, but what are you going to sell me now? (laughs) And I said, nothing, you know. Um, So they are really burned. It's very sad. And so the great story is like, the other one you might have seen, like my interviews with Miss Aura from Harare, from the St. Anne's School. Now uh, we were able to donate five computers, I think, now for the school. And she always tells me how great it is that she got to know about Bitcoin. Uh, through my work and how much it has helped her also in her side business in a way, because she's not only the headmistress of the school. um, I mean, Miss Aura has, I think, she only sleeps four hours per night or something because she has to work so much. Because what she's earning as a school headmistress is like 350 US dollars a month. But the rent for her house where she lives with her daughter is 400 US dollars. So you can imagine um, that people really have to work a lot to make ends meet. And I don't really know how they are doing it. But she's also an entrepreneur on the side. And she says, now I can finally pay my freelancer in Kenya. I pay him in Bitcoin. Uh, she also told me her parents now, uh, have a little bit of Bitcoin and that's the way actually I think that real sustainable adoption is working, you know, uh, from one person to the next, um, telling the the story of what it has enabled them to do, um, and how much freedom that they get through using Bitcoin. And so I think like from, a uh, small like uh, seed. I hope that it grows into a, a harvest for everyone in a way. And um, yeah, so so these are some of the stories. Or maybe what also, also was very great to see uh, or moved my heart a little bit in uh, Harare in Zimbabwe, I did a talk and uh, a guy on... Twitter contacted me and said, are you also coming to Bulawayo? And I said, no, sorry, this time I can't come. Bulawayo is the second biggest uh, city of Zimbabwe. And it's six hours by bus on a very, very bad road. And he then really came. So he drove six hours by night um, to to come to uh, my event and then it turned out that he uh, describes himself as a Bitcoin maximalist, <laughs> and he said to me, "You know, I I have the feeling I had the feeling I'm completely alone, but finally I'm meeting other Bitcoiners in uh, Zimbabwe, and also then he got into in contact with other Bitcoiners in Bulawayo. So actually, they lived in the same town, but they didn't know each other, and so." He then set up a WhatsApp group, uh, a Bitcoin only WhatsApp group in Zimbabwe. And my friends in Zambia uh, were able to arrange a Bitcoin only group in Zambia, two things that weren't there before. And I think that's a great success because I think it's the best way that people on the ground really um, help each other. So my goal is to educate the educators um, to to be the catalyst for for development on the ground. I I don't want to interfere then anymore. I think that's actually also how Bitcoin is running. Like it's a decentralized movement, a grassroots movement. And that's what I want to foster with the work of Bitcoin for Fairness. And yeah, I think next week, maybe uh, there will be the first Bitcoin-only meetup in Lusaka in Zambia. And I'm really looking forward to see that happening.
1: When you go to these communities, how are you building trust, uh, given the fact that they've experienced so many scams?
0: I think it's really the, the fact that you show up, so that, that you make these long travels uh, and the efforts to, to come, to organize something, and being there and talking to people. I think uh, there's nothing that can, can do the same trick in a way. I mean, it's not a trick, but you know how to... What I mean is with building trust. We have so much Bitcoin education for free online uh, that everybody can uh, look up. But where do you start, you know? So I think it's it's very important to have some sort of a a guide or an introduction into what's the first stone, stepping stone, where do I start the best? And I think talking to the people, spending time with them, Answering all their questions in an in an honest, open manner, and also I think it's important to understand, or to, at least to try to understand, the circumstances of their lives, because then you can more talk like eye, on an eye-to-eye level with them. And if they see that you take their problems seriously and not only come to uh, make money or something, um, then I think these are the moments where trust is built. And I mean, especially in Zimbabwe, it was my second time there. And in June, I want to go back the third time. So basically, some people already already know me and and also vouch for me in a way. And, And that's how trust is built, I guess.
1: What are those problems that they eventually disclose to you that entrust in you uh, to help them with?
0: You mean now with Bitcoin or in general in, in the life?
1: Specifically with Bitcoin, yes.
0: No, as I said before, the, the, the problem is first that they believe it's a scam and that they don't know where to start. So... Yeah. And uh, because there are hundreds, I think, of Bitcoin wallets in those play stores or on the Apple store. And um, so the, the basic guidance or explanation, it starts basically with what is Bitcoin. And um, then I explain all the properties, all the advantages um, Bitcoin has uh, compared to their local uh, currencies, uh, especially in Zimbabwe. And uh, yeah, the next step is then to tell them about self-custody, how important it is. And uh, since people there in Zimbabwe don't have exchanges because Zimbabwe is on the sanctioned list of countries. So as soon as you uh, like want to re- register on an international exchange um, and you enter your address that you're from Zimbabwe, you're kicked out. And so there are, is also the need, and that's what I find interesting and at the same time good in a way, is that most or like everything, all the Bitcoin exchange to U.S. dollars or local currency happens uh, peer-to-peer without any exchanges because there's, there are no exchanges. So you need to, to first actually you get to know people who already are doing something with Bitcoin, And then you are invited or you can get into these um, WhatsApp groups, into these different groups. And so it's really very, very basic, the questions that people ask me. So it's very basic education.
1: Is there a particular property of Bitcoin that resonates the most with people that you've met on your travels?
0: Oh, yeah, that it's not inflationary um, and that uh, you don't need a bank because Similarly, like in Zimbabwe and in Zambia, all the people told me we don't trust banks. So they don't trust the banks. They don't trust the governments. And that's why when they when you tell them uh, it's scarce, you only ever have 21 million Bitcoin. Nobody can change that, basically. Then they immediately understand uh, why it matters to them. Because in Zimbabwe there have been a lot of has been uh, a lot of occasions where um, the government um, just said, "Okay, now we are closing your US dollar accounts, and from now on uh, this is the Zimbabwe dollar." And within a few years, uh, the value declined so much that it's now four years since this happened, or something. And now I think um, the the collapse of the Zimbabwe dollar is is very close uh, or near, and so. They do understand that a money that over the long term increases its value, um, that this can be a very important um, tool for them to store a little bit of the wealth that they have, if they even can store wealth, because most people don't earn enough to be able to save money, to be honest.
1: So you, and I'd say Ray Yusuf and a few others, have done such incredible work bringing Bitcoin to developing nations. I want to know, Anita, why are you doing this work? What drives you to do this work?
0: I think a strong sense of fairness in a way, or it's maybe also, it has definitely to do with my personal history. I mean, (laughs) all the things we do are in a way motivated by what we have experienced in our lives. I think um, one of the most influential stories in my life uh, was the, the fact that my grandparents um, told me a lot of, about the times uh, when the Nazis came to Austria and what happened to them and to their Jewish friends and things like that. So And they also told me how, um, how fast everything happened and they didn't have the power to change anything. And from one day to the other, um, the the system had completely changed, you know, against them basically. And so I'm very aware of this this uh, power shifts that can happen very soon uh, or fast, also in in our so-called developed uh, regions. And it's a sense of yes. Yeah, sometimes I, I, I very often in my life I felt like I'm a misfit in a way, you know. Uh, and there's also a saying uh, that says only. Uh, missionaries, mercenaries, and misfits go to Africa. <laughs> and I find that very fitting in a way because we could say, I go here to, I'm on a mission. <laughs> I, you could also say, um, if you argue against me in a bad way, like you could say, I'm a mercenary because I want to maybe get rich, which yeah is silly, but yeah, you could argue that um and a misfit yes i always was like that and i think that the 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 fact that uh european countries or the western world in general have really done very bad things here and ripped people off for a very very long time that's something uh, that i can really feel like it's not my guilt but i i have a little bit the feeling that i i want to do something here to Give the people here the chance to have some kind of restoration, you know, like um, a reparation. Sorry, or, and and to be able to climb the ladder of wealth a little bit faster, maybe, you know, because I think I'm I'm convinced that the faster you you get Bitcoin and the earlier you start using it, the better off you are, and it doesn't matter how much wealth you have at the beginning, because. That, that's the thing what Bitcoin is for me. It will not really be able to change the disparity between rich and poor in a, in a great way, being like an equalizer for everything. Because it's not in the nature of people, you know, that everybody has the same or something like that. But I think it's a, definitely a chance. I'm convinced that it's a chance because of its openness and uh, the neutral properties it has so that everybody can join, at least that is fair, you know. The possibility is there for everyone. And I think that's so important. So, So I think it's more important for people here to adopt Bitcoin than in Europe at the moment or in the US. It's also important for people there, of course, but the 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 faster people here can can use it, the better for them because they suffer more than we do.
1: Do you think it's enough for Bitcoiners just to hodl their Bitcoin or do you encourage us to do more? Maybe not go to Africa and do what you're doing, but do you think that we should be doing more than just sending out tweets or writing media articles?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, that would be nice if more people would Do more. Um, I I don't think that everybody needs to spend their Bitcoin. It's okay if you want to hodl. I mean, it's understandable because um, as we have seen in the last years, the value over the long term is rising. And so I understand why people don't want to spend their hard earned Bitcoin or hard saved Bitcoin. But on the other hand, I think Bitcoin is digital cash and um, therefore we should use it. And we, I'm a big fan of circular economies and building them because it's also it proves the point that Bitcoin is useful, especially for the people here. Uh, I think it's more important uh, that it's a financial rails that enables them to be connected to the global economy than that it is a tool to store wealth. It's also important, don't get me wrong. But for me, I mean, if if the, the value, the price of Bitcoin would stay the same now on that level, it would be OK for me too, you know, because it still enables the people here to exchange money freely, to have their own uh, money in their self-custody and nobody can take it away from them. And I think that's the most important property or the most important thing with Bitcoin that it's, it's, somebody said uh, the nice thing, Bitcoin is the embodiment of human rights. And I think that's true. And so um, I think hodling is okay, but yeah, I would wish that more people who are just tweeting out um, Bitcoin uh, ideologies would also do something actively and, and support other people. But on the other hand, I have to say that the Bitcoin community in general is a very supportive community. Yeah? So, and that that's something that you, that I also um, see here. So I come here and immediately you are invited into uh, groups um, and people tell you there's the next meetup, there's this um, and things like that. And everybody is very helpful. So It's a mix of all things like that, but definitely I would wish that there are more people than Alex Gladstein, Ray Youssef, and me talking about human rights and and Bitcoin. So that's also a reason why I'm very happy that the Progressive's podcast now is (laughs) existing. um, So that we have more of a, a leveled discussions about Bitcoin and not only very conservative libertarian views.
1: Has there been a time in your travels and Bitcoin evangelism when you were discouraged enough that you thought you might want to quit?
0: No, never. The only thing I sometimes wonder is I should do more uh, like um, breaks in between and rest uh, because it's sometimes work is really uh, overwhelming. But no, uh, from from no, I'm as uh, excited as ever, and uh, I have also the feeling at the moment that. Um, this is something that might grow really good <laughs> because I get a lot of po- very positive feedback and also people are coming to me and saying, how can I help? What can I do? Um, and m- most of the times I'm not able to answer immediately and I need to figure out uh, what's the best way. How can, can I like, take on these offers uh, in the most efficient way so that it helps everyone and things like that? But no, I'm I'm as excited as I was like five years ago.
1: Have you thought about what success would mean for yourself and for the the Bitcoin for Fairness project? What would that look like?
0: Yeah, for instance, um, building these Bitcoin communities in Zambia and Zimbabwe um, and, and helping them to grow and supporting them. That's one of the things I think is a goal for Bitcoin for Fairness to support uh, more of these communities in these countries. For instance, with Bitcoin Icazi, there is already a community that's in a way the best case, um, because my goal is then to go there and to support them with infrastructure, for instance. I'm bringing Trezor hardware wallets. They donated some hardware wallets. I I bought a Raspberry Blitz, um, like Bitcoin for Fairness and their donors bought it. Um, And we will set up the Raspberry Blitz there so that they have their own full node and they can connect then the full node with the global community and yeah, things like that. So success for me would be that Bitcoin for Fairness has been a catalyst for all these um, communities that either were, were, were built with us together Uh, or we could support them in their growth. And also some kind of success for me is, for instance, in in Lusaka, when I was talking at the University of Lusaka, there were many students, and I told them about the several uh, Bitcoin developer programs um, that there are, like um, Summer of Bitcoin, Kuala Africa, and there's a third one, I have forgot the name now, And then one of the participants or attendees of my talk, he sent an application to Kuala Africa. And and these are the things that I really like um, when people then get opportunities because they just hear it from me and then they start doing it, you know. And another thing which I already now count as a success is that we now have um, one to two people in Zambia and one to two people in Zimbabwe who basically work for Bitcoin for Fairness. So they one person is the chief editor of the website. Um, another one helps us with organizing the meetups in Zimbabwe. I met a young woman uh, who was very keen on learning about Bitcoin and she's helping us. She's writing articles now on the Bitcoin for Fairness website so that um, I think it's important to also give the people a voice in in the global community because they are so isolated um, that I think it's important to build these bridges um, and and that they can tell their own stories. And we are... paying them in Bitcoin, of course. And so basically, we are also um, setting up jobs for people, Bitcoin
1: jobs. Do people ask you why you're focused on Bitcoin only?
0: Yes. I mean, especially in these countries, uh, there's still a lot of crypto going on and blockchain. So (laughs) we are a little bit there where we were in 2016, 17 in Europe, um, where the talk, all talk was about blockchain. I mean, we still have that. And so, yeah, they they do ask me and my answer is always, I believe that Bitcoin is the most decentralized cryptocurrency. Um, There is no leader in Bitcoin, no company behind it. And I think this is a very uh, good uh, quality or property it has compared to the other technologies or outcoins. And also, I think it's the most secure blockchain that wants to be money. And uh, I find this conservative approach to developing Bitcoin. Um, very favorable. I think if you own money, you want a conservative uh, form of development and not uh, develop, how is it called? Code uh, fast, break things or uh, break things or something. Yeah.
1: Move, yeah, move, move fast, break move things. Move fast and break yeah, things. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, and they very often then understand. Yeah. Um, but of course, if you have, I mean, in Zambia, for instance, um, the talk um, I was giving there, there were also two other speakers on the flyer, you know, they were um, on the on the program, on the agenda. But when I got there in the morning, suddenly there was a new guy and I didn't know who he is. He was very nice and and uh, a good speaker. And then I realized, oh, this guy is speaking about Axie Infinity. And so he was, ba- yeah, he was basically uh, really like a, like it's in this pyramid schemes, you know, uh, uh, telling people how much money they can make. And then he had some young people there who, which then uh, had to explain their successes with Axie Infinity. It was weird. But yeah, so you have this, you know, there's the Bitcoin educator and then you have Axie Infinity and left for me was Blockchain Africa. <laughs> And it's, it's a long way to go, but they will find it out too, I guess.
1: You've interviewed so many incredible people uh, all across the, uh, the world. And I'm not, I don't want you to go through all those stories again. I want to point our listeners to your website and your podcast. But I do want you to share one story, and that's uh, Ms. Ora's, I believe, in the school that she was able to rebuild due to Bitcoin donations. Can you tell us a little bit more about her story? Sure.
0: I met Ms. Aura the first time in February 2020, and um, we were talking about the general situation in Zimbabwe. So she was explaining to me (laughs) how the money system works and uh, how complicated it is um, to make a living in Zimbabwe. And it was also the first time that she... Got to know more about Bitcoin through me. She was interested in it because she's also a digital entrepreneur, but uh, she didn't really know much about it. And so, uh, when we did our first uh, conver- had our first conversation together, we set up a Bitcoin uh, wallet on her phone. So that gave us the possibility then already in 2020 to do this first call for donations for the school. So she's the headmistress of St. Anne's School, which was back then a school for about 60 pupils, I think. And they had to close it down because of COVID. And then, of course, they didn't get any uh, fees anymore from the parents because the children didn't come to school. So they had to close it down and they lost the building that they already had rented for, I think, 50 years or something like that. And so they had to move out and didn't have school anymore. And then we did the first donation campaign and then they were able to buy office utilities and stuff so that the children could learn from home. And um, after this first phase, she then told me, We now have the possibility to start school again, and we found uh, an object, a building that we really would like to uh, rent for the school, but we can't afford the down payment. Um, So can you please help me uh, with Bitcoin donations, maybe, that we can afford to have the down payment? And then from then on, uh, as soon as the school has the the building, I I can make it run again, you know, with the school fees. And so that was our, I think it was in 2021, our second donation campaign. And then she could reopen the school. Now in March, when I visited her, I saw two schools. So she has two buildings now. She was able to grow the school and could rent a second building. And now they have 120 um, students from, I think, four, no, maybe five or six to 16 or something. And then she said to me, you know, look, this is these are the tables for our computers. And do you see a computer? And I said, no. <laughs> and she said, so we really can't afford the computers. And I said, OK, that, that's a great thing that, we, can, that what we could do. We could do another donation round and uh, try to get you the money for 10 computers. And um, I immediately then uh, donated um, or sent Bitcoin into her wallet like for 20, 250 US dollars. And the fascinating thing was uh, she had this Bitcoin in her wallet. And two days after that, uh, she sent me a picture and said, look, this is our new computer. And I said, wow, that was fast. And she said, yes, um, you have to buy things fast here. As soon as you have the money, as soon as you have the opportunity to buy a secondhand computer, which is in good condition, um, you have to buy it because the next day you would have to pay a higher price because of inflation, because she, of course, she has to pay in US dollars or in Zimbabwe dollar. Uh, I think the guy where she bought the computer doesn't accept Bitcoin, which actually is a good question. <laughs> I should ask her <laughs> to, yeah, if if these people wouldn't accept also Bitcoin, but so um, what I wanted to say with that is it's um, she's very, um, do you say actionable? So she, she does the things she says. And I like that a lot because then you also can trust that she takes the money that she gets through the donations directly into her wallet. We set up a BTC pay server um, for her. And um, now I think they have five computers because she was able to buy another four. And um, she's also working on Bitcoin infographics. So I'm hoping that we can start a little some sort of Bitcoin education in her school. And um, yeah, so so that's Miss Aura. She I think she's a very special person. She's very knowledgeable. Uh, she's also a good speaker, which makes her a great uh, podcast guest. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan of her.
1: Well. Uh- Turns out, Anita, that you're a very special person, too, (laughs) and a good speaker. (laughs) Thank you. My last question for you is, what gives you hope?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is hope, isn't it? (laughs) So, um, yeah, actually, to be honest, for me, Bitcoin is hope. It gives me the hope that people have the chance uh, to free themselves in many countries, like 50% of the global population that they are able to free themselves from the dictatorships or authoritarian regimes under those they have to live. And it also gives me hope that uh, the everlasting growth that we need uh, to sustain the the monetary system we're living in, the fiat system, um, which is in my point of view Uh, the reason why the situation on earth with the climate change and things like that is so heavy or important. Sorry, I'm missing the word. (laughs) Uh, So we're in a crisis and I think the fiat system is the reason for it. So I hope that with this uh, mindset of uh, I rather save my money because I wait and I only buy things that I really need with Bitcoin um, or I I only spend Bitcoin if I support a circular economy and other Bitcoiners with it, Um, I think that that gives me hope. And what also gives me hope is that most Bitcoiners I got to know are really in Bitcoin because of those reasons, because uh, they want to see empowerment, self-empowerment and uh, a new kind of, yeah, in a way, sustainability and also Uh, to free people from like say financial colonialism that we still have in African countries. So, yeah, I I have a lot of hope um, for the world and also the young people give me a lot of hope. So I'm, I actually, I mean, with all the the bad things that are happening at the moment, also in in Europe with the Ukraine and Russia, um, I still am very optimistic. And I think, (laughs) that's also something, you know, with all the fat stories and all the people who tell you always the naysayers. I think if you're a naysayer, you can't change the world. You can't change things to the better because you only criticize things. Uh, So it's only the people who really have hope, have optimism and believe in the vision of what Bitcoin can do and other technologies that will help us grow and go forward, that these are the most important uh, people and ideas. And so that gives me hope too. And also you, your podcast, and the people in your community also give me hope.
1: Anita, please tell people how they can best support you in the Bitcoin for Fairness project.
0: Yes, thank you. So they can follow me on Twitter at Anita Posh. Then I always will tweet things about Bitcoin for Fairness. And then there is a donation page uh, for Bitcoin for Fairness. That's at bffbtc.org. And it would really be great if some of you want to donate a little bit to our uh, goals and to our work. And um, yeah, then I shouldn't forget my book, Learn Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's a great entry for beginners and for people who are not really on the way to self-custody yet. (laughs) And so uh, you can buy the book at learnbitcoin.link.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a true delight and you're inspirational. And I thank you for everything that you're doing for for Bitcoin. I can't wait until our paths cross again.
0: Yes, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Anita. Bye.
1: Hey, don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast. It'll take you two seconds to hit that five-star button. I really appreciate it. Come on, do it now!